Words hold immense power. Those who wield them with grace and precision are able to persuade others, diffuse conflict, make a lasting impression, and unlock life-changing opportunities. But how do you move from being an average conversationalist to an eloquent force to be reckoned with? Well, why not take some lessons from the most skilled communicators in history? Come along as we study those who have a way with words, from poets and public speakers to authors and philosophers. It's time to level up your communication skills. Welcome to A Better Way to Say. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. We are in part three of the Talking to Strangers series. Now, unlike the typical episodes that draw on communicators in history, this four-part series features advice from my personal conversation experiences, as well as from my communication-savvy friends here in D.C. So in part one, I covered six ways to start a conversation, and we talked about some safe, easy ways to do it, and then a few daring options. Then a few episodes ago was part two, and that was all about how to sharpen your small talk skills to have enjoyable conversations with strangers. And I weaved in tips from some of the best conversationalists I know. And that was a very fun episode, which brings us to today, part three of the four-part series, and we are covering what not to do. Now, don't worry if you missed the other two episodes, I have them linked for you in the show notes so that you'll be all up to date on the three-part series. And today is all about conversation habits that make people dislike us. So conversation killers, things that we might not even realize that we're doing, but that have a negative impact on the flow of conversations when we're speaking with people we've just met. So I'm going to cover mistakes I've seen, common ones, and what we can do about them. So not just the the mistake, but also the solution. I think that understanding what mistakes you're making in conversations and really pinpointing your exact shortcomings is the first step toward improving them. You can't change something if you don't even realize that you're doing it. So as you listen to this episode, notice the habits that you tend to do. The first portion will cover verbal habits that kill conversations, and then the second will cover nonverbal ones. And for each habit, I'll give you actionable advice on how to alter it so that you're continuing to improve when it comes to speaking with strangers. So let's hop in to the mistakes and what we can do to fix them. The first mistake I want to talk about is important because It slips into our vocabulary, and then we do it unconsciously. And while we don't notice it, others definitely do. And that is making weak word choices. When I say weak word choices, I'm talking about vague language that can make you sound less sure of yourself and much less confident. An obvious one here is a filler word. So if you say, um, or uh, or like a lot, that weakens your message, and it can also become annoying to the point that it kills the conversation. If you start the conversation by saying, sorry to bother you, or if you find yourself saying sorry a lot, this is another signal of a lack of confidence. And really any non-committal words can have this effect. So using the word just often, for instance, 
I just was thinking or I just feel like that also has a little bit of a weaker connotation. And there are more words like maybe, kind of, sort of, sorry. These are all words that communicate uncertainty. So how do you fix this? My solution is to make stronger swaps. It's much easier to get these weak words out of your normal lexicon if you replace them with other stronger words. The first step to stopping this is to catch yourself doing it. And I will link the episode on how to stop using filler words in the description. So if you have a problem with saying um or like a lot, definitely take a listen to that episode where we study the Stoics and I give you multiple strategies for reducing the amount of filler words you use regularly. Now, once you've identified the language that you're using, the words that are contributing to this less confident communication, then you can come up with some easy swaps. So if you tend to say, I feel like a lot, you can switch that with, I believe, or I have noticed that. If you say things like, I don't understand, or I'm confused, then you can switch that with, I would love to get more information on that, or what do you mean by that? Another swap for maybe could be perhaps. I know perhaps and maybe mean the same thing, but perhaps comes across as being more put together. And you can also completely eschew maybe and replace it with an intentional statement. So rather than saying, maybe you could tell me more about that sometime, you could say, I'd be delighted if you told me more about that sometime. I know these things sound minor, but the words you choose matter and they paint a picture of who you believe you are. So you want to be using confident sounding language, especially when you're meeting someone for the first time and you're speaking with someone who doesn't know much about you. All right, I hope that habit and solution was helpful. Let's move on to bad habit number two. And this is making conversation a competition. This is also known as one-upping. If you live in DC, then you've undoubtedly experienced this before. But if you find yourself trying to always top someone's story or to show how you have a cooler, better, more interesting experience than another person, you may be a chronic one-upper. But don't worry, there is a cure. When telling stories, you want to make sure that you are coming from a place of connection rather than competition. So think, compliment, don't compete. This is key when speaking with a stranger. I think that having a little healthy competition between friends is great, but one-upping someone you have just met makes you seem really eager to inflate yourself. So be sure that your stories have a purpose that is not tied to just making yourself look good. One way to think about it is the gems framework. Great stories are like gems, uncut gems. Just kidding. (laughs) But this acronym can help you evaluate a story and figure out if you should tell it or not. So the G stands for genuine. Is the story authentic and true to your own experiences? And then E is for engaging. Will the story capture this person's attention? Will it be interesting to them? M is meaningful. Does the story convey a message, a purpose? You know, the reason, is there a bigger reason that you're sharing this? And then S, this is important, suitable. Is the story appropriate for the conversation, the setting that you're in, the context? This also matters. 
So if your story passes the GEMS test, you are good to go. If you're thinking, I don't know if I can remember the GEMS acronym, that's all right. You can ask, why am I telling this story? Just ask yourself, what is the purpose of me bringing this up? Is it to add to the conversation or is it to make myself look good? And you know deep down why you're telling it. So keep that in mind and let's go on to bad conversation habit number three, which is dwelling on the negative. In life, uncomfortable, unpleasant things happen, and it's okay to mention them in conversations. Sometimes you can even bond with someone over a mutual bad experience, or it gets the group talking about, oh yeah, isn't that just the worst? But the key here is not to dwell on the negative. I have a little story time about this. I was in the Hamptons with some friends and we got to this restaurant that was pretty hard to get into. We ran into a woman at the door who was having trouble getting in and ended up being able to get her in with us and invited her to sit at our table. And she was really thankful that we were able to, you know, speak to the door people, help her get in. So when we all got to our table and started talking, the woman kept speaking about how rude the people at the front door were to her and how they wouldn't let her in before we got there. And although I understood her frustration, I really wanted to move past that topic since the situation was resolved and we were able to get her inside. We were all having dinner together. So I shifted the topic to ask about where she had been earlier in the day, but she quickly changed it back to her annoyance with the front door people. And this return time and time again to the negative experience killed the conversation. You probably have a similar experience of speaking with someone who just focused too much on the negative. Or maybe you tend to be that person. If so, my advice is to mention and move on. If there's a purpose to sharing something negative, you're more than welcome to do it. I don't want you to think it's off limits. You always have to be rosy, positive, happy. But be sure that you talk about it briefly and you let the other people or other person give their input Then you let the conversation move to the next topic naturally. So it's fine to mention it, just don't dwell. Hello, my conversation companion. Thank you for wanting to become a better, more magnetic and effective communicator. If you're enjoying A Better Way to Say, please leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. It helps the show and it supports the mission of helping others become more effective communicators as well. So take a minute to leave your stars, leave your feedback, and let me know what you think of the show. Thanks so much for your support. And now let's get back to the episode. All right, the next conversation habit that can make people dislike you, and it's just so awkward when it happens, is feigning understanding. This is one I'm sure many of us are guilty of, and it's just when you go along pretending that you know what the other person is talking about and you actually don't. This can happen for many reasons. Maybe you don't want to seem like you're out of the loop or you want to impress the other person. I'm telling you, don't do it. It's not worth it. The more you pretend to understand what the person is talking about when you actually don't, the harder it is for you to form a real connection with them. 
Plus, it's going to be hard for you to offer meaningful insights because you don't really know the starting point of the conversation. It's like telling a lie and then having to tell more lies to cover it up. It just kind of spirals until you either need to excuse yourself from the conversation or you have to awkwardly change the subject. This actually happened to a friend of mine. He met someone who was from the same area as him, so they started talking about it. But the man started asking him, have you ever been to this restaurant? Do you know about this spot? And my friend didn't know any of the locations that the other man was mentioning. So after a while, he just pretended to know one of the restaurants. But the other man quickly realized that my friend was not familiar with it at all. And he got a little offended and said, you know, you could have just told me you hadn't heard of it. And as you can imagine, this was not the best conversation experience for either person involved. So what is our solution? This one is pretty obvious, but tell the truth. This is the simple fix. The truth will set you free from awkward conversations sometimes. (laughs) So you can be honest in a tactful manner. For instance, if someone brings up a topic that you're not familiar with, rather than flat out saying, I've never heard of that, you could say something like, oh, tell me more about that. What about it do you enjoy? Framing your lack of knowledge in the form of curiosity is a great way to extend the conversation. It lets a person know that, yeah, you don't know a ton about the topic, but you would love to know more. And this fosters conversation rather than making someone dislike you or making someone just want to end the conversation. There are lots more bad conversation habits to go over, so let's keep it moving. And this next one is pretty common, but you'll know right away whether or not it's one you need to work on. And that is talking too much. In the episode on how to sound smarter, we talked about lessons from Voltaire, and one of them was to be concise, because by delivering an idea clearly and succinctly, you are better able to hold someone's attention. So watch your conversations and notice if you're dominating in many of them. Are you often bringing the conversation back to yourself? Are you rambling when you could say something in a shorter way? Also, are you interrupting? Because this is another way that you can dominate the conversation if you keep cutting in. One analogy is think of being in class. If you know a professor rambles on in a lecture, then you start to tune out. But if you know a professor always delivers points clearly one after the other, you stay focused the whole time because you know that each point the professor is making is an important one. You want to give your conversational partner a pleasant experience so that they're not bored and searching for a way out. So if you tend to talk a little too much, my tip is to take the tell me more approach. You need to naturally increase the amount the other person is speaking to balance the conversation. This is where the tell me more mindset is helpful. When using it, you shift the aim of the conversation with the intention to learn more about the other person. So when someone shares something, you ask to know more. You try to go deeper with questions, with pauses. Not being afraid of having a pause in the conversation is important. And with the genuine interest to learn more about the other. For example, if someone tells you, I work in media, 
rather than saying, oh, I have a friend who works in media and they do this and I've also heard this, which is crazy because, and then you just keep going on and on. You could say, oh, you work in media. A friend of mine is in that space too. Tell me more about that. You don't always have to use the phrase, tell me more, but that should be the aim, the guiding, what's the word, the North Star, if you will. This way, you're asking questions that will lead people to expand. I hope that helps. If you tend to be a chatterbox, try to adopt the mindset and see how you can get others to open up. All right, all the mistakes up to this point have been related to what you say, but nonverbal mistakes can also kill conversations. Conversations involve way more than just what you're saying. Your body language, your movements, your facial expressions are all contributing to how the other person is reacting to you. So let's get into some nonverbal bad habits that you may be making and of course, how to fix them. The first is using low power body language. This is a body language that takes up less space, things that contract you. So holding your arms, shrinking back, sulking shoulders, anything that contracts the amount of space you're taking up. And this communicates a lack of confidence, a lack of self-assuredness. And interestingly enough, it doesn't just communicate this to other people. It also makes you feel that way about yourself. There is a great TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, who's a social psychologist, and it's called Your Body Language May Shape Who You Are. You can check it out. It's a great talk. And in it, she talks about her study that she conducted where she found that people's perceptions of themselves shifted when they were in power poses, so expanded with their arms out, taking up a lot of space, versus the weaker contracted poses. Taking up more space and engaging in these powerful poses actually led to hormonal changes that made people feel more confident and more assertive. And conversely, the weaker poses made people feel higher stress levels. It was a change within their hormones that she was able to measure after participants stood in these poses for just two minutes. So pay attention to your body language as you enter a conversation and throughout the whole length of the conversation. Make sure your shoulders are back, your head is high, and if you have the time, try standing in a power pose for a couple of minutes before you leave the house, before you go into an interview and feel the positive benefits of those open and powerful poses. Okay, next nonverbal mistake is making poor eye contact. They say the eyes are the windows to the soul. Whether you believe that or not, we can leave that for a different day, but we can't deny the importance of solid eye contact. It's the way we signal to someone, I see you, you have my attention. The most common mistake I notice around eye contact is that people don't make enough of it during a conversation. If you're speaking with someone and you're looking down, looking around, and just the majority of the time not looking at them, it's not really going to win you any points in their book and it really can kill a conversation. And the opposite experience is a delightful one. It's great to be with someone who's engaging with you and looking at you in the eye. 
I was speaking with a couple at a hotel in Georgetown and we had the best conversation. I was sitting in between them at the bar and I realized that we'd been talking for almost an hour and none of us had looked at our phones. We weren't looking around. We were just in a little bubble talking to each other and getting lost in the stories that we were sharing. So yes, one of my tips for making better eye contact is to put your phone away. I don't want to sound like a boomer, but it really is important to just put the screen away, especially when you're speaking with a stranger. Practice is a great way to get better at it. Like anything, the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll become. So if you find eye contact a bit awkward or hard to maintain, then this is your sign to do it more. Practice doing it when you're at the grocery store and you're checking out or just when you're walking down the street. Take little opportunities to make eye contact with coworkers, people you don't know, and that way it'll become easier when you're speaking with people that you're meeting for the first time. The next bad conversation habit is always prepping your next point. So when you're speaking with someone and your mind is focused on what you're going to say next, you aren't able to fully engage in the conversation. You can tell when someone is just waiting to get the next word in or when they don't really address what you've just said and they're just making their next point and it can start to feel inauthentic. So pay attention to what you are thinking about as you speak with someone. Are you focusing on what they are saying? Are you actively listening and forming questions around the new information they're giving you? Or do you spend a lot of time planning what you're going to say next and how you're going to impress them or sound smarter or get the conversation going in the direction you want it to go? The solution to this is simple, but it's not easy. And it's something we talked about in the episode on Audrey Hepburn, which is being present. It's difficult if you're used to that inner dialogue of thinking about what to say next, but you need to quiet that and instead just focus on being in the moment. This was one thing that made Audrey Hepburn so magnetic was that she was very much in the moment. She was listening to the person. She made them feel important. And it's something you want to do as well. The person you're talking to can't hear your inner thoughts, but it does come across in your communication. They can tell whether or not you're actively listening or whether you're just planning your next point. So replace the need to prepare with a desire to hear and understand the other person. Also helpful in understanding other people is analyzing their body language, which leads me to the next mistake, ignoring visual cues. Yes, it's important to regulate your body language, but we also need to talk about the body language of the other person. A common conversation mistake is failing to read and respond to the body language of the person you are speaking with. Use these visual cues to help guide the conversation. I was once at a friend's home and started speaking to a man who shared that he recently got back from a speaking engagement. And when I started asking him about how he prepares for these speaking engagements and what he likes to talk about, he leaned in and started getting animated with his hands. And this signaled to me that this is a great route to continue going on. Now, if his body language was opposite, if he leaned away, if he started looking towards the door, 
then I would know, okay, maybe this isn't the best topic and I could alter the route and choose something else. So this is just something that goes back to being present and being more outwardly focused. As you work to get out of that inner dialogue about what you're going to say next and you focus more on what's going on in the moment, you will start to notice the body language signs and be able to adapt accordingly. I would love to know which of these conversation mistakes you identified with or if I left any out that I should cover in future episodes. So if you have any input, feel free to go to betterwaytosay.com and leave me feedback in that little box on the site and I'll be happy to incorporate your feedback, your suggestions, your ideas. I love hearing them. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Lester Ney and I will catch you on the next episode of A Better Way to Say.